And good afternoon, good afternoon. I'm Len Tillum. I'm a lawyer. News Talk 910. You got legal problems? I'm a lawyer. I'm live. I'm coming at you today from 3 to 4 on News Talk 910. Pick up the phone and give me a call. You got legal problems? I've got legal answers. The number to call, it's 866-536-1000. Live show today, 3 to 4, News Talk 910. We love the stories. What's your legal problem? Call it in. 866-536-1000. Tim in Mission Viejo. Len Tillum, Tim. How come you're calling a lawyer? Hey, Len. Um, I lost, an airline lost my bag flying from Singapore to Australia. I filed a report, and they just refused to answer any emails or do anything for me. What airline is it? It's Tiger Airlines out of Singapore, and they don't do any business in the U.S. Right. Wasn't that part of Flying Tiger's famous old airline or something like that? I don't think so. It's a new upstart, about a year old. Okay. Anyway, they don't land any planes in the United States. No. Yeah. You can sue them. The airline has contacts in California, even if it's only you. Um, Did you buy the tickets from a U.S. travel agent or you bought them yourself on the Internet? I bought them myself on the Internet. Yeah. Here's the problem. Um. You can sue them, but the court has to exercise jurisdiction over the dispute, and the only way the court can do it, but you have to get personal jurisdiction of the, you know, in the United States, and you got to serve them. And if you're a corporation and you do any business with California in the United States, you've appointed an agent for service of process in California. This Tiger Airlines doesn't have anyone. We looked it up. Um, and the other thing is the government has imposed a liability cap on airlines of $3,000 for lost luggage. How much was your scuba equipment worth? Just the equipment was worth about 3000 plus probably another several hundred in miscellaneous gear. Yeah, so the liability cap on lost luggage is 3300 bucks. You're right there. But you'd have to get a judgment. You'd have to serve them personally. I have been a lawyer over 20 years. I have no idea. It's never come up how I'd even go about you'd even go about serving a corporation, a foreign corporation, a company that has no, you know, agent for process of service in the United States. I don't even know what you'd do. And then if you got a judgment against them, you'd have to take the judgment back. I guess they're in Singapore here, right? Yes. Uh-huh. You have to take the judgment back to Singapore or wherever they do business to get it enforced. Um, I doubt if they even have any bank accounts uh, you could seize money from, even if you want, in California. So you're SOL, out of luck, without the paddle, you know? I, I don't know what, what to tell you. There's a, they, uh, Virgin Airlines may be acquiring them, and they do business here. If that were to happen, would that give me any options? No, I doubt. I, I don't know, but I don't think so. Usually... When businesses buy another business, they do these bulk sale transfers that cuts off liability. So it's just, it's going to be too difficult. And and if you went into a lawyer's office to get help on this, he would charge you $6,000 because nobody would know how to do it. And they'd all have to do research and it would be very expensive. You're out of luck, really. That's that's what's going on. And that's probably why they're not answering your calls because those dogs over there at Tiger Airlines know it. You got legal problems? I've got legal answers. I'm a lawyer. 866-536-1000. We've got open lines. Call now. Lawrence in San Mateo. Len Tillum, Lawrence, why are you calling a lawyer? Well, thanks, Len, for uh, taking my call. The reason I'm calling is I had a uh, writ of execution 
um, issued, and they seized my bank account. And the thing is, I, I don't have any uh, recollection, and I don't, don't uh, I guess there was a default judgment made against me, but I, I don't have any recollection of that. And I, I found this out, obviously, on uh, on Saturday. You, you found it out when you went to the bank and they said, sorry, somebody took your money from you? Uh, worse than that, we actually, it was my stepdaughter's uh, birthday, and we took her out um, for a nice lunch, and we used the debit card, and they the, it kept getting declined. And then we, once we got home, uh, we made a call to the bank and found out that this had um, transpired. So l- let's go through it. In order to, for a collection agency to do a writ of execution, where they go to the bank and they take your money out, they have to have a judgment. And once somebody had to get a judgment against you, do you know when they got a judgment against you? Um, I, I did uh, look up the case number, and apparently sometime in, I think it was uh, 2010. And what was it a judgment for? Do you know who sued you even? It was a credit, all I know, it was a collection agency. And did all. you have some credit card debts that you never paid? I, I did. Back uh, in 2006, I, I had uh, you know lost my job and had some right. financial problems. So what happened was, there's a thing called sewer service, S-E-W-E-R. These, you know, these, these credit card companies, especially after 2009, when a lot of people went belly up, and 2008, turned the debts over to these collection agencies, and they would fill out court papers, and the guys who were supposed to serve you with the papers threw them in the sewer, sewer service, and then they'd sign yeah. something saying, I swear I served Lawrence in San Mateo. You know, anyway, that's probably what happened. Um, You never got a report of a a default judgment or anything, right? Correct. Okay. Um, In 2011, I did did have uh, another company, and we actually were able to uh, work out an arrangement, but they said they were going to sue me. I filed a response, and then we were able to uh, negotiate a settlement. So it's not, you know, so obviously if I had been in contact in something I knew about, I would have Yes, okay. What you should do is go to annualcreditreports.com. It's one word. Annualcreditreports, with an S on the end, dot com. And you can um, get a free credit report from each of the three major credit reporting agencies, and the judgment will be listed on your credit rating. And then you could go to the court that issued the judgment and look at the court's records. I'm sure they got a sewer service on you at an address where you no longer lived and claim you were personally served. It's very expensive to overturn these court judgments. So go find out what's going on and see what you can work out. But in the meantime, I wouldn't keep a lot of money in the bank because if the judgment is for a lot more than the $2,700 they took out of your bank account, they're going to take other money they can find also. Right, up to that judgment amount, correct? Exactly. Up to How much is the judgment for, do you know? It, it was it was for twenty three hundred dollars. Oh, and, the and so extra- they already and they already have seventeen hundred. Yeah, I would go to annualcreditreports.com. dot com. There may be some other sleeper judgments out there that you don't know about and you want to find out. Okay. Yes, and um, one other question. So um, you said it's expensive to try and overturn this. That's just because there's you have to go to back. Involved. Yeah, there's filing fees. There's lawyers. It's an old judgment. The courts don't like to open them. You'd have to show the court didn't have jurisdiction over you and that you were not right. properly served, and the guy who served you is going to lie like a rug and say, yes, you were. And here's the other problem. You did owe the money. So right. even if the judgment is set aside, which the court doesn't want to do, they could litigate the case all over again, and you're still going to lose. You know what I mean? Right. It's just going to cost me more money. Yeah. Take care of it and, and deal with it. Okay. Um, 
Sounds good. I appreciate your time, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. That's why you got to deal with some of these credit card companies, because all of a sudden it turns around and it bites you in the ass. If you got a lot of judgment against judgments against you, you can file bankruptcy, and that can wipe out those judgments also. Chris in Sebastopol. Len Tillam. Chris, how come you're calling a lawyer? I need you, Len. Here I am. I'm all yours, Chris. What's going on? In 1975, I was committed to a state prison, California, for 22 months on embezzlement. Heavy-duty felony. How much did they say you stole? 80000 And what did you do? Over a five-year five period. And how much time did you serve? 22 months at CIM. Oh, my God. Which one is that? Is that Chino? Chino, yes. It's pretty heavy-duty prison, right? Prison yeah, is prison. Is. Yeah, it well, is. It, it's the minor security compared to the prison system, but for... A guy that's never been in trouble before in his life, it wasn't easy for me. No, I've heard stories. Even just the noise and the smells are horrible. I mean, how you live with that, it makes you crazy. 22 months is a long time to spend in prison, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay. And my question, Glenn, is after 37 years, is there anything I can do to clear my name? You want to get um, this off your record, I guess, right? Yeah. To do what? You want to get it off your record. Yes, I do. Okay. So here's how it goes. Because you served time in state prison under the California Department of Corrections, the only way you can get this off your record is with a pardon from the governor. That's the only way. Uh, you can't just go to court and ask to have it expunged. You can do that with felonies where you haven't been to prison or misdemeanors. It doesn't happen very often that the governor gives a lot of pardons. If you want a pardon... You have to first petition the superior court where you were convicted for a record of rehabilitation. It's a court order saying you've been reformed. Um, that doesn't clear up your record. But once it's granted, the certificate is forwarded to the governor's office as an application for a pardon. Jerry Brown, our governor, pardoned 79 convicted felons last Christmas. Most people who do get pardons do after their parole is over and they've spent 10 years with a clean record. And you've done that. Um, have you done any work in the community? They like to see stuff that you've worked in the community, volunteer work and stuff like that. Have you done any of that? Well, I, I'm a minister and I have a ministry of not preaching the gospel, but a ministry of healing. You know, I would put together a package. Write this down. I, I'm, you can do it yourself. I think you got a shot at it, Chris. You've been clean. You help people. You're a good guy. This wasn't a violent crime. Okay, you got a pencil? Sure, ready. Okay, I want you to look up Certificate of Rehabilitation. R-E-H-A-B-I-L-I-T-A-T-I-O-N. Certificate of Rehabilitation. And you get that from the Superior Court. That's a court order saying you've been reformed. And then look up what it takes for the governor. Do some research yourself. I'm sure they'll want declarations and letters from your friends that you're a good guy. You can put that together. It'll be sent to the governor's office, and I think you have a good shot of getting a pardon, okay? Wow, super. So I don't, in a, in a sense, I don't need an attorney. I don't know. I don't think very many lawyers have done certificates of rehabilitation. They do the research and get it together. Wait and see. First, do some research yourself and see how hard it is to do, go get the Superior Court Certificate of Rehabilitation before you start spending ten grand on a lawyer, okay? 
Thank you. I appreciate it. You're quite welcome. You got legal problems? I've got legal answers. 866-536-1000. When I get back, this landlord of seven and a half years is holding every penny of the deposit. I'm telling you, some of these landlords, they get a security deposit. They think it belongs to them. Len Tillum, News Talk 910. I'm a lawyer. I'm here till 4 Live, 866-536-1000. Pick up the phone and give me a call. Fran, Fran in Hayward. Len Tillum, Fran, why are you calling a lawyer? Well, my landlord will not uh, give me my security deposit back. What happened? Tell me the story. Well, um, he's charging me for uh, carpet cleaning. I've been there for like seven and a half years. And carpet damage, uh, cleaning deposit, uh, uh, you name it, everything that he could think You of. lived there for seven and a half years, and he had, or the landlord had a security deposit. How much was the deposit? Yes. Uh, 1200 And before you moved out, did the landlord give you a walkthrough? Did Absolutely it? not, even though I requested one. Okay. Because uh, I knew uh, his type. And did he, give you, and he, uh, did he give you an accounting of what he was keeping the $1,200 for? Uh, yes, I have it right here. Now, let me explain. Um, when you live in a place seven and a half years, you're not responsible for what's called ordinary wear and tear. You know, I mean, you're responsible for damage caused to the property beyond or in excess of ordinary wear and tear. Um, right. And, and by the way, is he charging you for a new rug? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. He's not allowed... $1,500. He's not allowed... Let's say the carpet's 15 years old. It must have been old when you moved there, right? Yeah, it was. It was, yeah. If the carpet's 15 years old and you ruined it, I'm not saying you did... The landlord doesn't get the value of a new carpet. He gets the depreciated value of a 15-year-old carpet. So this landlord yeah, is... To- I explained that to him, too. Yeah. Here's the story. you got to sue okay. this crook in small claims court. Okay. It's the only way you're going to get your money. What county are we talking about? Alameda. You sue in Alameda County, and Alameda is very friendly to tenants. You can get help. You've got to get the small claims court paperwork. And Alameda County, I guess the courts are in Oakland somewhere, or maybe there's a court in Haywood. They may have smaller courts around that county because it's so big. Look it up online. Do you use the computer, Fran? Uh, yeah, you know, I did look it up online. It's on Winton uh, Street. Okay. So what you do is they have a small claims court advisor, someone who will help you fill out the paperwork. Right. And you can sue your landlord for the entire amount of your deposit, and you'll just say fraud, and, and he's just lying, you know what I mean? And, and you're entitled to, or you say, didn't return my cleaning deposit. He only gets the depreciated value if you damaged it, and after seven and a half years, things get dirty and worn out, and that's ordinary wear and tear. You got it? Yeah. Also, well, Okay, but Because he didn't give you a walkthrough, the yes. burden is on him. It helps you a little bit. The burden's on him to show you damage the stuff. So you'll also yes. point out to the judge that I tried to get a walkthrough and he didn't let me have it. You should win this case. You should get most of your money he back. He refused it. Yeah, he refused it. Right, right. You tell that to the judge. But you got to get off your ass, Fran, and sue him in small claims court. And if you don't, you're never going to get any money back. That's the rule. Well, is there anything, is there anything else that I could sue him for, like... Um um, I, I know. Did he come in there and rape you or something? Did he beat you? Did he no. punch? You? So what else are you going to no, sue him I, for? Well, for all of the the money that he cost me 
by changing the move-out date. Explain that to me. Let me hear the story. Well, because we had an arrangement, uh, uh, a verbal arrangement, uh, where um, he would let me stay there uh, until the 13th of January. Yeah. If I, if I would allow his inspectors, or inspectors, uh, his general contractors come in and uh, do a walkthrough and get appraisals. Mm-hmm. Right? And did you let him? So I did. And then what happened? Uh, so anyway, this was on the 28th, I believe, of uh, uh, December. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, December. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, what happened? So anyway, so anyway um, uh, they come over. And then... Um, Wait, l- listen to me. Did he throw you out before the 13th? Is that what happened? But, well, see, the thing of it is, uh, no, he did throw me out uh, before the 13th. Yeah, and, and that's what you want to sue him? He's... No, see, the thing of it is, uh, when uh, they, they all come over, right, uh, on the 28th of December, and uh, all of a sudden now she says to me, or the landlord... Uh, they say to me, uh, it is agreed that you will move out on the 7th. Oh, what Fran, happened? hold it a second. Uh, you could tell that to the judge, but you, you live in Hayward, Alameda County. There's rent control, and you didn't have to move out on the 7th. Just because he said you have to move out, you could have completely ignored oh, really? that. Yeah, you could have just said drop dead. So I would just ask for the cleaning deposit back. That's what I would go for, Okay. Yeah, but it's all the motel bills that I had to spend. Put those in. The land that threw you out, you want to ask the judge for it? You can ask the judge for that, but you didn't have to move out. Yeah. Just because the landlord says you have to move out, you don't have to say, oh, okay, and move out. You could have fought with him. Got well, it? See, I, I was, I'm on Section 8 also, so, um, you know. Take him to small claims court, all right? Good luck to you, Fran. you got to take him to small claims court. you got legal problem. I got legal answers. 866-536-1000. Stick around. We got more coming. I'm here till 4. Len Tillum, News Talk 910. Len Tillum, News Talk 910. 866-536-1000. I'm here till 4. You got legal problems. We love the stories. We want to hear your story. Tim in Oakland. Len Tillum, Tim, why are you calling a lawyer? Uh, hi. Uh, hi, Len. Uh my father uh, died this past June uh, owning a one-third partnership in real estate. Uh, his two partners continue to receive their draw. My question is, is his estate entitled to his one-third interest? Yeah, of course. Um, let's see. Um, let's say your father owned a 1,000 shares of stock instead of his partnership interest. A 1,000 shares of Chevron. You would, of course, tell Chevron, send me the, you know, the dividends and the money. You can't keep it. And your father's estate is supposed to get all the income derived from the assets of the estate. So he owns a third of that partnership. Yes. And the estate is entitled to you know, one-third of the partnership income. Have you called up the other owners and said, what's going on? Where's my father's money? Uh, well, see, I'm the, uh, I'm the co-administrator, and his partner, who happens to be my brother, is also... Uh, a co-administrator. Now, wait a minute. Your, your brother is a partner with your dead father in this real estate business? Yes. Okay. And, what and is your a co-administrator. Your, okay. Your brother owns a third? Yes. Okay. The estate is supposed to get all of your father's assets, and that's Precisely. that one-third there. And how many children did your father have? Seven. 
And does his will distribute it equally to all of them? He doesn't have a will. Okay. Did he have a wife when he died? She passed away two years earlier. All right. He died intestate with no will, which means the law of California will give it equally to all of his seven children. Yes. So if your brother is also a co-administrator of the estate with you, and he is not contributing one-third to, you know, the whole of of that partnership to the estate, he's self-dealing and he can be thrown out. You've got to talk to him, and you may have to get another lawyer. Right. I have a lawyer on... Call. Is he the lawyer for you and your brother? Uh, no, he's uh, she. She's my separate lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does she know probate? Uh, she is a probate lawyer. Yeah, I would talk to her because any of your brothers and sisters can file an objection to the probate accounting if you're not collecting, you know, this one third income. So you should be collecting it, and your brother not getting it. You've got to talk to your lawyer and talk to your brother and say, you can't do this. You've got to kick in dad's share. We have to do it for everybody. You got it? And, yes, and I have one last question. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also wants to uh, just use my father's personal, my father had personal real estate as well, and he wants to use those proceeds to pay for his estate expenses and not his partnership. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Your he can't brother, open up a separate account, right? No, he's got to use... He has to open a trust. Uh, sorry, an estate account with you and he in it, and all the income. He can't. What he's doing is favoring himself. Of course, and he's not allowed to do that. He of has course. a fiduciary obligations to all the beneficiaries to be fair. He can't self-deal. We do a lot of probate work in this office. People die with wills still. We do quite a bit of probate. And if I were your brother and your lawyer, I would tell this to your brother. And if your brother continued to be a crook, I would have to resign because. I can't be your lawyer and his lawyer at the same time. His lawyer, is he also your lawyer? No. Okay, you've got to get your lawyer on top of this. You owe it to the others. Your brother can't be doing this. Okay, thank you, Len. You're quite welcome. Let's say hello now to Peter in Oakland. Peter, Len Tillum, how come you're calling a lawyer, Peter? Hi there. Uh, I work at a uh, wine store, and we uh, have customers sometimes that place orders for wine. And it's not an appropriate time of year to ship them. It's maybe too hot or too cold because you don't want to, you know, ship wine when it's 100 degrees out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll hold the wine for free until the uh, weather, weather is appropriate. The problem we have now is we have, uh, I don't know, 12 to 15 orders, I would say, ranging from a few hundred to a few thousand dollars each that have now been on hold for up to uh, two years. And we can't get in contact with the people. They don't return phone calls. We leave messages. We send emails. And they're just gone. You know what? In the future, I mean, this is a good idea for your business, but to prevent this problem from happening again, you should have a contract that has some kind of provision that says you can charge an additional fee if you're, you know, the client doesn't bother making arrangements for shipping or um, get a shipment address and you'll send it out of your warehouse to wherever it is at whatever time you agree to. But yeah, are you paying the storage? They're I, all paid for. They're all prepaid and, you know, it's just a matter of do you know where to send them? Well, we have the address that was on file, you know, when they placed the order. But, we you know, the problem is is that because it's alcohol, it needs an adult signature. So if no one's home, if they're on vacation, if they've moved, you know, who knows? And you have their email addresses and nobody answers you? Yeah. We have their email addresses. No one replies. We have their phone. You call the number. You have their, you know, their, them on the voice message on the machine. We leave messages and no All replies. Right. Here's what's going on. Um, if... Somebody calls you up and says they want the wine and you don't have it because they waited too long. 
they could sue you for what's called a breach of contract. Do you have a written contract or an oral contract with your clients? Uh, we have a written contract. Okay. The statute of limitations is four years from the date of the breach. So you have to send them a letter or email telling your customers that they're going to forfeit their wine by the end of the month if they don't contact you. And that will start the four-year statute of limitations running. That's about the best I can tell you. Okay. You know, or else is, can you sell this wine and replace it if they show up? Uh, sometimes you can, and sometimes you can. It just depends. Right. A lot of times you can't at the same price because wine, you know, once you open a bottle, there's one less in the world. So the prices tend to go up. Right. And how much are these bottles worth? Are these really fancy schmancy wines that are worth a oh, lot yeah. of money? Oh, yeah. Some of these bottles are worth how much? Uh, we have we sell bottles that up to that ranged up to the thousands of dollars each, you know, range. So. Amazing! There are people so wealthy that they can place an order for thousands of dollars and then they completely forget about it, or it doesn't matter to them. Yep. You know, I would send them a letter saying, "Look, if I don't hear from you within two months, it's over. You're going to forfeit your wine," and then they'll call you back outraged, and you've got to wait four years from that date to say, "I'm sorry, you can't even sue me." You know, statute of limitations. Does but, it have to be a written letter? Do we like send certified mail? Or is no, you can do an email. It's just as long as email them. If you've got an address, you've got emails for them, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you, you know, I would do an email and a letter. It doesn't have to be certified. Okay. Uh, I never send certified letters because people don't sign for them anyway. So that would do it, okay? All righty. Good luck to you. Good thanks. Stick around. We got some more. Len Tillum. What happens when a dry cleaner ruins your clothing? My God, we got a story. Call me up, 866-536-1000. Len Tillum, News Talk 910. Len Tillum, News Talk 910. I'm a lawyer. Hey, Scott in San Francisco. Len Tillum, Scott, how come you're calling a lawyer? Hi there. Um, I dropped off a sweater at a dry cleaner's about two and a half weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And I came back about four days later, you know, my regular pickup. And he had said, you know, he was, he, he, he just looked at me kind of funny and he said, I have something to tell you, but I couldn't get out the spot, uh, you know, one of the spots on the sweater. And he said he had another dry cleaning facility somewhere else. He didn't tell me where. He just said that he had to send it to his bigger facility because they had different chemicals, you know, different spot, spot treatment chemicals. And I didn't think anything of it. I've been going to the guy a lot. And I went back, um, couple days ago and to go pick to you know to go drop off a whole bunch of stuff and i remembered hey i've got a sweater that i've you know got to pick up yeah so i asked him about the sweater and he you know look he gave me that funny look again oh he goes oh that's right he says um well they went to they they tried to, to spot treat the sweater and they made it even worse and ruined it and you know my, my my, my initial reaction, I didn't get upset. I just, you know, I was dropping off a lot of stuff. I was, you know, I was a couple suits, a couple more sweaters, pants, blah, blah, blah. And just to, to, to hurry the situation up, I said, you know, why don't we just call this even? You know, you, you credit me on this order, and that's that's it. And, and he, he signed on my, you know, my, my, my receipt. How much was that order for? It was about it was about two hundred dollars. No kidding, that's a big dry cleaning order. Okay, and how much did how much <laughs> the did you? Was about, the sweater was about two hundred and fifty bucks. And how old was the sweater when you bought it? The sweater. Had I mean, when you brought it into the shop. Yeah. 
Um, but it was about six months old. It'd been more about two or three times. But I guess the question was, when I got home, you know, when I got, you know, when I got home, someone had mentioned to me, you know, did he show you the sweater? Because uh, it, I, I, they said that, you know, a lot of dry cleaners are notorious for keeping things that they like and saying that they were ruined. And I guess it's not so much the money that I'm concerned about. It's just that he didn't actually show me the spot because I don't remember a spot on the sweater. Yeah. First of all, I, I've been going to dry cleaners a long time, lots of different ones, and I have never heard of them stealing clothing. Okay. You know, I, it just, you know, and, and really, I bet you the guy behind the dry cleaning stand, some fat guy, and you're some skinny young kid, and his sweater would never fit him anyway, right? You know, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, look, you pay two fifty for the sweater. He gave you a two hundred dollar credit. I, I mean, you could always say, "Let me see my sweater. I want to give it a decent burial or something." But um, by now, it's gone, and <clears throat> I'm not sure you could get much more from them if you sue, even if the damage is their fault. Because most dry cleaners disclaim liability for damage to clothing. It's hard to collect. Uh -huh. So the case is over, Scott. I wouldn't worry about it. It's really over. Okay. And that's okay. about it, okay? Okay, thank and you. And by the way, I think you're going to a good dry cleaner. The guy gave you 200 bucks credit. Stick with him. I don't think he stole your sweater. All right, thank you. Yeah, you're quite welcome. Let's say hello to Nate. Nate in yeah. Santa Cruz. Len, tell him, Nate, why are you calling a lawyer? Well, I was calling to see if I have a claim against some property I turned into the police about six months ago. okay. Uh, I, I run a branch of a rental car company, and uh, long story short, we had a renter pulled over in a car uh, with quite a bit of property in the vehicle. Um, the police let me have the vehicle because it was kind of parked in a way that they couldn't get to it. Mm -hmm. So I ended up getting it out and then uh, finding the item the police had missed and then turned it into the police department. What did you find in the car? Uh, some silver and gold coins and a lot of uh, silver dinnerware. You mean like sterling silver knives and forks and stuff in a rental car? Exactly. How many gold coins? Uh, it's hard to say. I didn't, I didn't uh, actually calculate them, but it looked like a lot of gold and silver quarters and then some collector's pieces as well. Probably two dozen collector's pieces. Okay. So have you called the cops and said what happened to all the gold and silver? Yes, I have. And what they say? Well, they've kind of given... Well, I feel like they've given me the run amount. Maybe you'll be able to tell me better, but... um. I've gone, I went after 60 days, they said that it'd be available for pickup by the person who has a claim against the property, mm -hmm. either be the owner or the finder of the property. Yeah. Um, and so I went back after 60 days, and they said they transitioned it into a stolen property case. Now, then, wait a second. You found the property, it's not yours, and you did the right thing by calling the cops. Um, if the property isn't claimed by its owner, and if it's not held as a criminal matter, they're supposed to eventually turn it over to you. And it's 90 days is what I understand. If the property hasn't been claimed in 90 days, you can file a claim against the sheriff or the police department for the property. So I would file a claim. But they said to you all of a sudden it's it's a criminal matter and that's stolen property? Yeah, that's right. And then there's a continuation on that as well. So that they, they, yeah, they transitioned it into a stolen property case, they said. And then... They said, no, 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 we know who it belongs to. Uh, we're going to give it back to them uh, after another waiting period that they, I feel like, made up. So you think one of the cops took the property home by themselves, right? <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't assume that. <laughs> you don't think that. 
Um, no, I don't think so. Well, if it is stolen property and they know who the owner is and probably is stolen property, um, it should go back to the owner. Right, but assuming it's stolen property, the, the person who had possession of it when they got arrested in the rental car, uh, they're claiming now that it is his property. Who's claiming it's his property? The, the police department is. Oh, so it's not stolen property. Well, that and that's I guess that's what's up for debate. They've kind of gone back and forth on that. No, no, wait a minute. If it's not stolen property and they gave it back to the guy who was arrested in the car, it's his, it's... It, it, Look, either way, you're out of luck. I, I mean, you can file a claim against the police department or the sheriff department for the property, and they'll probably give you an answer if you file a claim. But either way, I don't think you're going to get it. Either If it's stolen and they know who the owner is, I don't think they're making this up. You know what I mean? I don't think they'd BS about this. It's too vulnerable, and if a cop takes it home, that cop's going to lose his job. They don't do that stuff. So if it's... Well, actually, the go ahead. police officer I submitted it to actually did lose his job. For what? Uh, they wouldn't tell me why. Well, why don't you file a claim? Let me go through it, though. If it's stolen and they know the owner is, you're not going to get it back. If it belongs to the guy who got arrested and it's his, you're not going to get it back either. But uh, go to the police station and say, I want to fill out a claim for this property, and I want a written answer as to what happened to it. They'll give you that, okay? Okay. Be Great, polite. Thanks. Don't get arrested when you do it. You got it? I got it. Thanks. Okay, thank you. Stick around. I'm going to say hello to Gil Gross. We've got lots more. Len Tillum, News Talk 910.